Fair Skies at downtown Sitka. I'm Robert Woolsey with Raven News. Some Alaska Native tribes are getting behind U.S. Supreme Court nominee Katanji Brown-Jackson. Central Council of the Klingit and Haida Indian Tribes of Alaska President Shiley Ish Richard Preston says that Peterson rather says that while she doesn't have the most experience in Indian country law, Jackson is by far the most qualified candidate nominated to the Supreme Court in recent years. So I think her given aptitude for it is a plus for us. You know, we want people to adjudicate on the letter of the law, and we think the letter of the law favors um, a lot of the tribal cases. Other tribes and tribal organizations across the state have sent letters of support to the U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee. Democrats on the Senate Judiciary Committee want to move Jackson's nomination to the full Senate, and they hope to get Jackson confirmed before they go on Easter recess this weekend. On Monday, Alaska Senator Lisa Murkowski announced that she would support Jackson's nomination, one of three Republican senators so far to publicly support Jackson. In a statement released to media, Murkowski says that her decision rests primarily on Jackson's strong judicial background and experience and her dislike of the partisan showmanship that has taken over the confirmation process. It also rests on my rejection of the corrosive politicization of the review process for Supreme Court nominees, which on both sides of the aisle, is growing worse and more detached from reality by the year. While I have not and will not agree with all of Judge Jackson's decisions and opinions, her approach to cases is carefully considered and is generally well-reasoned. If confirmed, Jackson would be the first black woman to serve in the nation's highest court. An aviation industry entrepreneur is poised to become a manufacturer as air travel returns to pre-pandemic levels, and he'd like to do it in his hometown of Sitka. Tim Fulton has designed a piece of equipment to make loading and unloading luggage and cargo more efficient and dramatically safer for the workers inside the aircraft. The pandemic bought him time not only to work out the kinks in the product, but to secure patents and distribution agreements all over the world. Now he wants to build it. I'm back in Tim Fulton's garage in Sitka, where I first interviewed him over three years ago. Actually, it's a machine shop, Fulton's Research and Development Center. But instead of oil-stained Carhartts, Fulton is wearing a button-down shirt and a tweed jacket. He's spent a lot of time recently on tour. I'll be going back to Fort Lauderdale next week uh, and doing a test down there. And then that one will come back and go to King Salmon. Uh, and then to Fairbanks, and then to Paris. <laughs> that would be Paris, France. Fulton's also been to Singapore and Mexico City, as well as to San Diego. This interview was scheduled by his executive assistant, Maury Hackett, and joining us for a photo is... Charlie Petrie, I'm head of uh, product development. Clearly, Tim Fulton did not spend the two years of the pandemic watching Netflix. Instead, he's been perfecting his product called Tisabas, hustling at aviation industry shows and cutting deals with potential distributors. Tisabas is a sort of acronym for Tim Saves Backs. But don't worry about remembering the name Tisabas because you'll never buy one. It's for a niche in the ground service industry that most of us never give a second thought to, handling luggage in the belly of a passenger plane. Forward bending is challenging on the spine, twisting is challenging on the spine, and lifting is challenging when you combine all three together. Um, it's the perfect storm of forces for the low back. This is Eric Speck, a physical therapist I consulted the first time I reported on Tisabas. 
So much has changed about flying in recent decades. Improved navigation, quieter engines, beautiful airports, onboard Wi-Fi. But in the luggage bin, it's still 1955. And as passengers board and buckle in, workers are just below in a space about three feet high, on their knees, pushing, sliding, and yes, throwing your bags down the length of the luggage compartment. Tim Fulton's got a bad back. In 38 years of loading planes, he says he's known only one colleague who doesn't. His desire to fix this has an evangelical undertone, not unlike a certain billionaire hoping to build a city on Mars. It's not that far of a reach. What we're doing is not rocket science. We just need a little bigger equipment and a place to do it and manpower to, to, <laughs> to put it together. Tesabas is a conveyor belt, but it collapses to the size of a large suitcase. It loads onto an airplane with the luggage. At the door, the baggage handler unfolds it like an accordion, and it conveys the bags to the far end of the compartment where another handler stacks them. No pushing, sliding, or throwing needed. As the compartment slowly fills, Tesabas is folded up a few feet at a time. When the luggage compartment is full, Tesabas is put back in its portable shape and then taken off the plane. It's the same process in reverse to unload an aircraft. There are three Tesabas out in the world. One is owned by Aeromexico, whose CEO used to be a ramper and loved the product immediately. And another is being demonstrated there. A third is being demonstrated in Florida. Tesabas is patented and Fulton's made distribution agreements with ground service companies from Norway to India to Mexico. He's also struck a deal to have Tesabas built in China exclusively for that country's airlines. All this, plus the official nod from aircraft manufacturers Boeing and Airbus for use of Tesabas in their aircraft, is worth something. Actually, it's worth quite a lot. Tim Fulton hasn't built many Tesabas yet, but he's built a substantial enterprise valued at over $2.5 million. It all began with $115,000 in seed money from the Alaska Angel Conference and additional private investment totaling $250,000. Now, Ramper Innovations is launching a second capital campaign aimed at local investors. Executive Assistant Maury Hackett says this reflects Fulton's grassroots approach to the project. Part of the reason that we chose to go with crowdfunding rather than going to venture capitalists who had expressed interest was so that the local people in Sitka and Tim's greater community and, and other people who are on the ground have the opportunity to invest in a, in a business like this. The latest crowdfunding campaign has a $500,000 goal. The funding will allow Fulton to move to another site in Sitka and scale up the manufacture of Tesabas beyond the five per month he could build right now in his own shop. And he hasn't ruled out that Tesabas could take off, so to speak. We do have some backup. If American Airlines comes to us and says, I need 100 of these in uh, six months, we have the capacity we can ramp up to, to meet an order like that. That will take money, of course, which Fulton believes he can find locally, and determination, which he's never had in short supply. Right now, it's a marathon or maybe an ultra-miler that we're in. It's, it's not a sprint. We're, we're putting things together where it's a solid foundation for a business and, yeah, just moving forward as we can. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. Last week, after a large orb of light was observed moving across the early morning Alaska sky, scientists have offered an explanation. KUAC's Dan Bross reports from Fairbanks. 
Fairbanks photographer Leslie Smallwood captured video of the luminous sphere on automated Aurora cameras before 5 a.m. Tuesday, March 29th. And uh, it seemed like it had something that was spinning inside it is when I zoomed in on it. And it's a small tail, whitish tail. Smallwood says the foggy ball of light was far larger than a full moon and is seen on the video moving through the dark sky from the northeast to the southwest over a few minutes. It's not like a shot across the sky. It was like it was like taking its time much too slow for it to be a meteor. University of Alaska Fairbanks physics professor Mark Conde says video of the light ball was also recorded by a UAF all-sky camera in Gakona. Speaking last week, Conde said he wasn't sure what to attribute the phenomenon to, but noted that the orb appeared gaseous. You know, a glowing cloud of gas that was sunlit would would look like that. I am uh, very confident that what people saw uh, was the dumping of fuel from a Chinese rocket stage. Jonathan McDowell is an astronomer at the Harvard-Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics in Boston, Massachusetts. McDowell says sightings of the orb in Alaska correspond with the flight of a Chinese satellite deployment rocket. This rocket, the Long March 6A or Changzheng 6A, uh, was launched early on March 29th uh, from China, placed two satellites in orbit, uh, and calculating its orbital path, it passed over the Yukon area about about uh, 350 miles up uh, at exactly the time that this glow was seen in the Alaskan sky. McDowell says leftover rocket fuel was likely released into space where it froze, spread out, and reflected sunlight. This cloud is probably hundreds of miles across. That's why it looks so big. As to why rotating movement and a tail were observed, McDowell explains that to maintain a rocket's orbit during the release of fuel, the spacecraft is put into a tumble. End over end, while spewing out this fuel like a garden hose. And so you'll get this sort of moving pattern. McDowell says rocket fuel dumps resulting in visible spheres of light occur fairly regularly in the lower 48 and elsewhere in the world. He says a similar glowing orb viewed over a large area of northern Siberia in 2017 was attributed to exhaust from ballistic missiles during test firings. In Fairbanks, I'm Dan Bross. And that's going to do it for Raven News for this hour. You can find our stories online at kcaw.org. Taking a quick look at some things going on around town. We've got uh, 4 o'clock today, uh, Leo's Hope meets at the Sitka Public Library. Tomorrow, Thursday, Alaska Marine Safety Education Association conducts a fishing vessel drill conductor class beginning at 8 a.m. at the uh, Ensara offices uh, across from uh, Spinard's there, across from uh, Sawmill Creek Road from Spinard. Uh, Vivian Mork and Naomi Mickelson share traditional plant knowledge, including